I think most of us walk around at times with this low-grade shame that says, well, God just can't use you. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Bill Eliff. This is uh, Kyle Reno. And uh, we're here again, one more (laughs) week, plowing away, and excited to do it because the goal is to unite people in one cry for revival and spiritual awakening across our nation. And what we're seeing in this series is that God can use you, God can use me, God can use one man, woman, one woman to do that. And we're going to look at a a fireball guy here (laughs) today that... uh, He just needed a do-over, man. Yeah. He needed a, I, and in life, who doesn't? You yeah. know, who doesn't? You ever, you ever had one of your? Yeah, a little rewind. <laughs> you know, my son, David, uh, he's my oldest son. And one time I, he'd done something, I don't know. And I just, I just laid into him, man. Right. I mean, just I, as I was supposed to, it was sure. appropriate. Yeah, we did right, it the right, right. way. Yeah. But I spanked him and, and, uh, and about halfway through, he looked up at me and he said, Daddy, he said, can I just rewind that and do it gooder? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, okay, then we're, we're done we're with good. the discipline. That's, yeah. you know, because we, we, we all need a rewind. Man, that is a so reset. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's a, what a moment right there. Well, mm-hmm. and I, so we're going to talk about Peter mm-hmm. today, who's, uh, Man, he he is many things, but neutral is not one of them. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, and I just so appreciate the honesty of Scripture, right? The honesty that doesn't, and that's one of the honestly the greatest testimonies to the truthfulness of Scripture, right? Is that it doesn't pull punches as it pertains to as we really are. Yeah, right. And the and the men and women that God uses were radically imperfect, Mm -hmm. and so one of my favorite stories in the Bible always has been. Always since I first came across at nineteen and and was such a hot mess, you know, when I came into the kingdom and and just and it shows us a part of the nature of God. And so I will just go ahead and give you a little preface here. We'll be in John twenty one. I'm not going to get to the three questions, you know, in the moment at the very end because before we even get there, it shows us something about God that I think we need to know in light of being men and women that can be used to change the world. So it says in verse one. After this, Jesus re- revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they had caught nothing. <clears throat> no matter what, just to know this, uh, Peter couldn't help but be an agent for change uh, in good and bad ways. He had this in the Imago day in him and how God had made him. He was just a natural born leader. And, and he was before Christ and he was after that. And now he was in his brokenness and in, in, in his fall. Uh, I, I think you got to remember something. This is the man of God that God's going to choose to preach at Pentecost. So just get that in context. This is the guy that is foundational to the founding of the church and the gospel getting eventually to to us. And um, so this is a guy that's going to change the world. But in this moment, 
Uh, he really believes something that I think that many of us have felt before, or maybe even you feel right now. I don't think that Jesus doubted the validity of the resurrection at all. I mean, I think he, he's already seen Jesus at this point. He knows. He knows that Jesus has defeated death. What he believes, though, is that Jesus is done with me. He believes he has forsaken any uh, opportunity to be used of God again. He, he thinks because, you know, if you sort of walk back into this, I know you're familiar with this, uh, before Jesus' death, he's the Christ denier. You know, he's the guy that three times says, I don't even know that guy. Though he would just before proclaim, Jesus, I'm willing to go die with you. So in his mind, though he knows Jesus has defeated death, he thinks, I'm done. I'm done. And let me, let me tell you what I think is true for most of us. Um, I think most of us on the other side of believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think that we're surprised by our struggle. And maybe you have a blow it moment. And you think, well, I have just relegated myself to uh, uselessness, you know. And obviously, there are certain types of sins uh, that cross some lines that do impact our usefulness. Uh, sexual sin would be one of those things that, you know, that it, maybe as a pastor, you have a moment of great sexual immorality. And, and I have found God is great in his restoration, but it, it, does, it does change some dynamics. It does change some things. Maybe it's, uh, I remember the pastor that I came across and called to ministry under, he said, you need to stay away from women and money, you know, because those two things, they have, they have an impact on your life if you cross lines. So, I mean, if somebody lacks integrity financially and things, it can move them to places where it's hard to get that trust completely back with people. But I'm not talking about those two things today. I'm talking about, I think most of us walk around at times with this low-grade shame that says, well, God just can't use you, you know, that you, you just blown it too many times, that you returned to some sin of your past, or you, or you just made some decisions, or you got this wrestle in the dark. And, and, and in this moment, uh, man, the guy that we knew, Peter, before this walk with him, that honestly had a little bit of a spiritual strut, uh, he's just walking away in shame, and he's not going fishing recreationally. He's going occupationally. He's going back to what he knew before Jesus, because God's not going to use me in ministry anymore. But the story ain't going in there. Verse four: Just as day was breaking, boy, if you could read this scripture with some sight today, it's going to help you. So here's Peter and the disciples. They went back, fished all night. And verse 4 says, And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? I, I want you to think now. <clears throat> as the morning sun is coming over the, the shoreline, as the sun's breaking, new mercy is going to be waiting. New mercy, listen to me, a new opportunity is coming. The disciples are not going to know who he is, but, but Jesus knows exactly where they are. And so I, I just want to say to all of us that hopes to be used of God to change the world, even on your bad days, Jesus shows up the next morning. And isn't that good? Even on those days that you blew it big and you just didn't walk with him or you, 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 just, you, you popped off at your wife or your spouse or you know, you, you just, you did something stupid. You know, the next morning Jesus is going to show up on the shoreline of your life. 
And let me tell you one of the things I love most about the Lord, and it could get me crying here, is that when Jesus shows up on the other side of our moments of failure, let me tell you what he doesn't shout out from the shoreline. He doesn't shout out, <clears throat> see, I knew it. He doesn't shout out, look, you blew it. He shouts out, children. He, he still, even though Peter has denied him three times, and I mean, you talk about the worst betrayal possible as he's dying for the sins of Peter and humanity, denies him. And the next time a conversation really starts playing out between them, here's Jesus saying to him specifically, hey, son, hey, son, let me tell you what the Lord is restoring here, relationship. He's restoring relationship to him. And I, I just think that if you just knew the grace of God toward you today, uh, the mercy of God toward you today, it would move you back into fellowship with him and honestly help create in you a, a clean heart, refresh your, your, your anointing, and get you ready to be used again. Get you ready to be used again. And then I love, I, I, I love humor. And so I read the scripture thinking, you know, I think that's pretty funny. And that the Lord says, children, do you have any fish? <laughs> well, he knows, right? He's God. Like Jesus is not playing by the rules anymore on the other side of the resurrection. So he, he knows. He knows. So he says, hey, do you got any fish? To which I think he's saying, hey, how's it going? And I just think the Lord is good to show up in our life going, hey, I mean, how's it working without me? How's it working without following me? And this is not to shame him. It's to say that, hey, and I think the Lord would say this to you and to me, hey, you can't go back. Like not you, you, once you've crossed that faith line, we don't go back anymore. We go forward. That faith is sort of a front windshield kind of thing. It's not a rearview mirror. That we can learn from the past, we can learn from our mistakes, but this is about moving into the purposes of God. So they answered him, no, we haven't. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they're not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Does that sound familiar to you? Well, this is one of those first moments that Peter and the disciples, some of the disciples had with Jesus. Let me tell you what I love about Jesus. That while he's not going to necessarily walk us back into uh, the past, he will recreate a moment for us. And that, that you can be grateful for those moments you've had with, with him. But let me tell you what the Lord wants to do. He wants to give you a new moment with him. He wants to get, maybe, it's, maybe it will remind you of one in the past. So for Peter in this moment, and I'm not talking about him specifically, I think God ministered to the other disciples as well, but let's just talk about old Pete for a minute. In this moment, uh, I think he's going, wait, what's going on? <laughs> I think he's got to be thinking, is that him? Is that him? And, and I, I believe that the Lord is saying, I'm not done with you. Hey, I, I, listen, you were a hot mess when I found you the first time. And so I'm not, and this is some good news. I don't think that for a second, Jesus wasn't surprised by Peter's sinfulness. He died for it. He wasn't surprised by his uh, willingness to walk away at one point. Instead, he's going to use it. He's going to use it and call him back to himself. So the Lord's giving him another moment. And then verse 7, it says, The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. He's like, man, it's just, Pete, in, in, in case you don't know, that's Jesus right there on the shoreline. It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, 
He put on his outer garment, which is sort of weird for what he's about to do. He put on clothes for he had stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. <laughs> he put on his clothes and then he, listen, and then he went all in again. I think that's, a, that's a, an important principle. Is that God, that the Lord gave Jesus? I mean, Jesus gave Peter a chance to go all in again. To, he gave him another moment to come close, and I love that the Lord does that. What a gift! And I don't want to let you in on a secret. You're going to need a series of those before you're done. You're going to need a series of those moments where you come back to the Lord, going, "Lord, misstep, bad season. You know, I got distracted, or whatever it might be." But hey. Since you showed up on the shoreline of my life this morning, I want to go all in again. I want to go all in again. And so he goes, I love, he goes swimming, and the other disciples just sort of row the boat over there. Like, all right, well, I don't know what Peter's doing. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. In verse nine, it says, And when they got out on the land, what'd they see? And see, the Lord didn't set up a courtroom. The Lord didn't build him a, a, a judge stand and a little seat and have his gavel ready to lay the hammer on Peter and the other disciples. Now, when they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. Some meaning to that I won't get to today. With fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And listen what it says. And Jesus said, come have breakfast. Come have breakfast. Man, I'm telling you, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Because here's a man that God's going to use to change the world, to change the world. But before he is, he needed to be restored. He needed to be restored. And so what did Jesus do? He, he set up a breakfast meeting. Ain't that the best? He set up a breakfast meeting. So here, here it is for us today. I'm going to bet many of us, uh, even now in this moment, need a restoration moment. And here's my promise on behalf of God, because I just know him. Uh, I bet this morning, or even tomorrow morning, if you want to anticipate it, I bet the Lord will make you breakfast. I bet you he'll show up on the shoreline of your life and start the restoration process to give you another all-in again moment. He might have some questions he wants to ask you. He might some, he, I know he's going to have some things he wants to say to you, but I love that he'll do that. Bill, how many times have you seen that? Oh, my stars and experienced it. <laughs> and, you know, I just, this is just so beautiful. And I'm, I'm thinking, the interesting thing is, Peter wasn't out there in that boat looking for Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was looking for him. Yeah. He'd already, he'd already called him. He already knew what he wanted to do with Peter. So yeah. Jesus doesn't let that moment pass. Right. He says, "Okay, it's I know you blew it, yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna redeem that." In fact, you know, he said before this all happened, "Hey, hey, Simon, Satan has obtained permission to sift you like wheat, mm. but." Right. I have prayed for you right. that after you return, <laughs> your faith will be strengthened and you'll strengthen the faith of others. So God said, you, you're going to go through a little dip here, 
when you see all of your hopes and dreams nailed to a cross, mm. and it's going to shake you the foundation. But we're, we're coming back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm praying for you, and I got breakfast on the other side. Golly. How good is that? I love the Lord. I'm telling you. So God has that for for all of us, right. and I just can't think that we couldn't listen to this and be encouraged, yeah. regardless of what's happened in our life, that the yeah. Lord is waiting for us. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to hear a testimony of somebody that God has used and and took them through a process to make them who they were, to use them for His glory. So listen to this for just a minute. Well, hello again, and so blessed to be a part of this uh, weekly podcast. Thank you, Bill and Kyle, again, for all you're doing to be able to train and teach and inspire and motivate uh, all of us, really, to seek the Lord more deeply and believe Him um, more greatly for a, a mighty move of His Spirit. And I do believe there are prayer movements, there are cries and calls for revival and spiritual awakening today more than any time in, in my uh, four decades of ministry. So thank you guys. And I am so blessed again today to have Dr. Ed Gomes, who is the uh, chaplain of the Liberty University football team. And so, Ed, we talked last time a little bit about your personal journey and revival, your exposure to the movement of God there at uh, uh, Lynchburg back in the 70s and how that whet your appetite and actually thrust you into ministry, really, and so grateful for what he has done in you and also through you. So welcome back. Hey, man, good to be back, Byron. Well, I am so glad every time I get to connect with you. And uh, can I tell a little story here, Ed, on the front end? Sure. So uh, I grew up in Indiana. I thought I knew a little bit about basketball. And uh, we ended up in the same ministry. I remember a pickup game. And uh, I thought, I don't know who this Ed Gomes guy is. But all I remember now is I was guarding you. And the next thing I knew, the basketball was to a wide open guy under the basket and I'm saying, how in the world did the ball get there so quickly and so imperceptibly to me? And uh, then I think, and I hope I'm not exaggerating, you may still hold the assists and maybe the steal record at Liberty University for basketball. Is yeah, I, I have two records. One is the turnovers and the steals. And well, somebody said, as many times as I turned it over, you thought I'd steal it back once in a while. <laughs> Well, so I, I is, uh, I'm grateful for that experience. I guess uh, when God comes, I'm not going to know where the wind blew or how it blew, uh, but I'm going to turn around and say, God, you sent revival. That's the closest analogy I can come to that, probably not a very theologically sound one. But hey, I, I, I am so grateful God put you into athletics. I'm glad, he, especially that for... Um, how many years now have you been the chaplain of the of the Liberty football team? What does that look like uh, in what you do and, and just what your goals are as you try to take really the, the what you learned in revival ministry and uh, somehow influence a team? Well, this will be my um, go, this is my 23rd season as the full-time chaplain with uh, with Liberty. Uh, my passion. Uh, my mission, my whatever you want to call it, is to help our young men become intentional about their relationship with God and make an impact on our football team. Amen. So that's the thing that uh, motivates me. We have our guys in three groups. High, high interest is the guys who are intentional about their relationship. Uh, some guys who are saved, 
not necessarily uh, not necessarily living a double life, but they're not intentional about their relationship. And then we have the no. These are guys who have who have not trusted Christ as their personal savior. Mm. And so um, my my passion is to is to is to disciple, uh, pour into, build into, uh, help our young men do the work of the ministry. So when they leave, whether they're in business or whether in whether they're uh, in in coaching or whatever it might be, is that they would have learned how to minister to those three groups of people wherever they're at. And so uh, that that's uh, in, in a nutshell. And we use a whole person development model, Byron, that's based on Luke 252, where mm. Jesus increased in right. wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And basically we have a game plan to help our guys win academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually. Mm. And that's the whole person. And like I tell our guys, if, if all you want to do is read your Bible and pray, but you don't want to go to class and you don't want to work out in the weight room, it's going to be a bad experience. But if you uh, utilize those four areas, uh, God will do something in you so that he can do something through you. Wow, that's great. And Ed, last evening, I think it was, uh, we were chatting and, and you said... Uh, that you're getting ready to, uh, maybe it was yesterday morning, to speak to the team. And you were just, we prayed together and just said, Lord, what is it that you would want? And I'll never forget, because this is so central to my life, to all of our lives. You said, I think I'll just, uh, number one, listen to what God's spirit, he may be changing what I want, what I was planning on doing. And and you made this statement, basically, that uh, uh, I just want to stop and say, are you obeying what you already know? Uh are you living what we've already said? Instead of introducing new truth, uh, you were saying, maybe I just need to stop and say, what are you doing with the truth? Uh, is that, did I read you right in that? Exactly. And that begins with me. So as I think of ministering to our coaches, our players, I tell them that my commitment to you is I'm going to live by example. Wow. So if I'm in accountability and I ask you, have you looked at anything this week on your laptop that you should not be looking at? If I'm going to ask that question, then how am I going to ask that question if I'm not practicing discipline in my own life? So it begins with me. Again, I go back to, Lord, yeah. you start with me. Do something in me. You, you transform me. Mm. Change me. And then as a result of changing me, God used that as an overflow to influence others because uh, you have me here with purpose. And I think you remember this. It uh, uh, may sound a little corny, but it really spoke to me back when we ministered together. Uh, we would often hear our walk talks and our talk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. You remember that? Yeah. And, and that was all based on that principle of a power of a life message that um, we can stand up and talk, but the power comes from the life message behind what we're saying. And right. so, Ed, I can tell that hasn't left you or escaped you. Uh, and so grateful. So I, I know, uh, and, and I think this was, uh, I've thought of this and reflect on it multiple times since several years ago when we connected again. And 
And you would say you have your top 20 list, your top 10 list. And you remember we would go into a church or a, a community and uh, our, our leader, Del Faisenfeld Jr., would uh, always have the top 10 list, I think it was. Here's 10 names to be praying for. because And, and I remember also he would say uh, to the pastor, who's the town drunk? And what he meant by that, who is the one person? that if God transforms their life, everybody in the church or everybody in the community would know it. Uh, so you do something a little bit similar. Is that right with your team? Yeah. You know, again, as you were talking, Byron, it's about being intentional. Hmm. And the model is Joseph. When Joseph was in the prison with the butler and the baker, hmm. those two fellas had an experience. They had no idea what was going on. And we know from a a, a human perspective, uh, Joseph shouldn't have been there, but by a divine perspective, he was there because God had something for him to say. So, wow. so for me, I know that God has me where I'm at. And so I'm like Joseph. Mm. And so I have to be attentive. I have to be alert. And so first of all, it's with those guys that spiritual things are important to them. So I have to be intentional. Who are those guys? How do we identify those guys? And we have a number of ways that we do that. And once we do that, then it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation to encourage them to be a part of the discipleship process. Wow. The guys that are in the some interest, again, it's about relationships. Hmm. It's about building. And, and I always, and, and I have to bathe these relationships with prayer. I have to bathe this relationship with prayer. So, I've got guys that are in the high. I've got guys that are in the sub. And so I'm specifically praying for these guys mm -hmm. that God would create an opportunity for me to have a conversation. And I may start off talking about the football, talking about the academics, talking about your relationship with your girlfriend. But I am going to get to where are you at? In fact, my concern is this, is I see you're adding value academically, athletically, and socially. But my concern for you is where are you at spiritually? Hmm. And so it's a man-to-man -man conversation. And then those that are in the no interest, it's about conversation. Hmm. And, and so it's about being intentional. Uh, it's about uh, genuinely wanting God's best for that individual. Uh, and like I tell our guys, I could go on vacation because we have spiritual leaders in each position group that are doing the work of the ministry. Right. I can't do that. So it's about being intentional and with being motivated by love. So one final question, Ed, and maybe the most important one, because no matter what uh, leaders out there are listening to this and individuals, uh, it all begins, as you've said over and over again, with us as, as um, an individual. How do you keep your walk with God as a leader fresh? Um, what are just a few of the things perhaps the Lord has led you to do? And I know it begins in the heart, not in the behavior, but what is it that just practically help us? What is it you do to make sure when you're standing before that football team that you're speaking out of your life? Well, that's a great question. My office is right near the training room, the trainer's room. And so I see guys who are injured on a, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes God will use people. He will use circumstances to remind us 
of who he wants us to be. So if, if I'm responding to where I'm at in my relationship, you know, sometimes people want their relationship to be your relationship or their relationship. So first of all, I got to know what God wants my relationship to look like in the word, in prayer, and anything else that goes beyond that. So I know what the expectation is between God and I. So at the end of the day, I can evaluate, am I being obedient in the word? Am I being obedient to the word? Am I, am I doing what I know God wants me to do? So I start with that. And if I'm not, uh, for example, uh, two weeks ago, uh, one of the guys in our discipleship, he, he selected how to memorize scripture. Hmm. And I had to tell him, I said, brother, this is a conviction to me. Thank you for being used by God to remind me hmm. that I'm not where I need to be in that area. Thank right. you. So, so I would say, Byron, it's, it's, it's um, being honest about what I know God wants me to do. And, and like Coach Free says, a guy drops a, a pass, misses a block. He says, don't blink, play the next play. So for me, it becomes confession. And then God right. help me. So it, 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 it's, 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 it's being a, a authentic with my vertical relationship and being authentic with my horizontal relationships. Those would be the two that are a constant reminder of mm -hmm. what he expects of me. Mm -hmm. uh, those, are, those are a few thoughts. You know, you couldn't have ended on anything that I don't think that's more uh, central to revival than what you did in the sequence of vertical and horizontal. Uh, I know there's such a tendency for me. I'm kind of a doer, you know, and there's a tendency for me to focus on the horizontal and um, and forget that it begins vertically because there's no power in simply the horizontal. The power comes in the vertical. So thanks, Ed, for just uh, showing that to me all these years and the way you've walked and lived and and so grateful for that. Uh, Bill and Kyle, uh, thank you for all the work you're putting into these podcasts. What a blessing. And I believe what an instrument that God's using to quicken the hearts of his people everywhere now around the world. And I believe growing in faith and anticipation of what God's going to do. Any movement of revival and spiritual Well, I tell you, these stories of uh, lives, it just, it just reminds you that the Lord can use anybody, and He wants to use everybody, you know, and if we'll just cooperate with Him. And, and the fact that He restores us again and again on deeper and deeper levels is, is pretty amazing. And so we want to pray for that in your life and in our lives. And and the lives of those that are listening. I, I can't help but think that there are hundreds, maybe thousands of people who are listening right now that, well, they needed this today. today from God. So, Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, I've been studying lately the loving kindness of God. Lord, not only are you loving, you're just kind. You're just so kind. And we're overwhelmed when we... When we think about that, Lord, you are righteous in your judgments and you're perfect in your holiness, but you are full of loving kindness. 
and mercy. And, and we're so grateful for that and the plans that you have for us. And, and Lord, our, our momentary baubles with that don't have to be the end, and you can still use us again. And I pray this would encourage us today, and I pray that we would cooperate. I pray, Lord, we'd, we'd put on our, our, lay aside our, our work clothes where, where Peter turned, and we'd, we'd put our clothes back in and jump in all in yeah. with you to be used by you. Yeah, Lord, I'm just, um, I just pray. For every listener uh, today and for others that uh, will get this even shared with them or come across it somehow, uh, Lord, I just pray it'll be a breakfast table. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you just do what you do, Jesus, that you restore people, that you call them son and daughter and say, hey, come in close. And that you just uh, minister and heal. And uh, Lord, where there's been, uh, where there's been honestly, uh, a cowardice maybe or moments where they just checked out. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would restore courage. Mm-hmm. You really would, God. And then, and then you'd launch them out to be used to change mm-hmm. the world. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, so good today. And, and uh, please, please don't miss the moment to do one of the easiest things you could possibly do to maybe radically change someone's life. Send them a link to this podcast. I think this teaching particularly has, there's so many people that need to hear this, this restoration that can lead to usefulness. So send that to them. And thanks for joining us. And we will see you next time.